Instacart shoppers know groceries. They know that you can't make guacamole with rock-hard avocados. They know how to quickly find those peanut butter pretzels you can never find. And they keep you in the know by giving you updates about your order along the way. Let Instacart shoppers help take shopping off your plate so you can get time and energy back for what really matters. Visit instacart.com or download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum order $10. Additional terms apply. Instacart. Add life to cart. How you doing, ladies and gentlemen? The radio guy, Dr. Mike Prince, right here with a special edition of our long-lost brother, the shotgun Willie Simmons, who happens to be now the head man down at FAMU. We're going to talk about his 2019 signing class. And before we get into that, Coach, welcome back, man, and how you doing? I'm doing well, man. I don't know if I like that, that long-lost thing. I think we, we, we stay in pretty frequent contact, don't we? Yeah, we do, but, you know, it's been a while, you know, since some, I had some things pop up with me personally and it's been a while since we were able to catch up but it just seemed like a long time seemed like a long time <laughs> you know but it's all good. yeah glad, it's, glad to be on yes sir glad to have you on uh this would actually be your second cycle of recruiting down at famu um you you have a pretty healthy class that we're going to talk about and you're going to be rekindling an old flame, if you would, that in the likes of the Southern Jags. We'll talk about that a little later on, but bring us up to speed with your signing class. Well, you know, we're very excited about the recruiting class that we were able to put together. Um, you know, like you said, first full cycle that we've been able to get out on the road and identify prospective student athletes, but um, we signed actually 20 guys now. It was 19 once all the releases uh, came out, you know, earlier this week. Uh, but we just got a uh, NLI yesterday from a young man, uh, a cornerback receiver from out of South Florida uh, to add to the class. But we're you know, very excited about the, the uh, I guess, the group of guys as far as uh, all the positions that we were able to to, to sign. We signed every position. Um, we got the quarterback that we targeted. Uh, we signed four wide receivers, um, two tight ends, three offensive linemen. We we're probably going to continue to look for another offensive lineman out there. Uh, four defensive linemen, all interior guys, may still have room for another defensive end, and then uh, two linebackers who are two highest-rated guys, both three-star recruits. One was the number eight overall uh, player in the FCS, according to Hero Sports, in two four seven, and then uh, four defensive backs. And so, pretty solid class, top to bottom. And uh, I thought the coaches did a phenomenal job of of really getting out, you know, with our um, budgetary restraints that we had you know, from time to time to still be able to put together what many people have as a top five recruiting class in HBCU. Okay, so with all that being said, you have projected eight interior linemen on either the offense or defensive side of the ball, uh, seven, but then there's a one possible. So with, with that being said, you have, I'm going to say roughly, I'm trying to get my old PV math here working, about 35% of your recruiting class with those guys on the interior line? Well, definitely. You know, again, two reasons for that. One, I just, and we've spoken about it before, I just think that philosophically to really build your team the way uh, that you would need to build it to, to be able to consistently compete with the likes of a North Carolina A&T, um, Alcorn State, uh, those teams that have really, you know, 
jump to the head of the class in their respective conferences, I think you have to build it from the, from the inside out with offensive and defensive linemen. And so that was a heavy point of emphasis for us. Uh, and then, again, just to, to, you know, in this conference, it's a lot more physical conference, um, a lot more run-oriented, so to speak. Uh, defensive linemen are a little bit more stout than maybe in the swag. And so we definitely wanted to be able to control both lines of scrimmage. And we feel like if we can do that, it gives us a better chance offensively and defensively uh, to control the game. Okay, so it, it explains a little bit of the philosophy because the MEAC is really known as a physical conference compared to the likes of the Southwestern Athletic Conference. When you think of the SWAC, there are really three teams that stand out to me just off the top of my head as far as the approach of equipping a team for MEAC play, and that would be Grambling, Southern, and Alcorn. Is that safe to assume from your aspect of it? I agree. Uh, Alcorn probably being uh, the most um, similar to a, to a um, LEAC team. Um, Gremlin more so by schematic. You know, obviously, they're a heavy pressure team, a lot of man coverage, uh, a lot of blitz and linebackers. So just schematically, they're, they're a stout team that wants to stop the run and play a lot of man coverage. You don't see as much of that. In the MEAC, I don't know if we even had a team in our conference that's a heavy man team. Most teams are, you know, kind of similar to us schematically, where they want to play quarters. Uh, they want to kind of keep everything in front and, uh, and really control the line of scrimmage. You know? But Southern is a team that uh, I think it, at times has shown the, the, the ability to be a physical team, um, but also at times they've shown that they can be a spread team that really wants to get the ball on the perimeter and play in space. Uh, but when I think of the team that most resembles a MEAC team as far as the physicality, you know, Alcorn's the one that jumps to mind. Okay, okay, very well. We're speaking right now with Shotgun Willie Simmons of the FAMU Rattlers. Uh, just signed 20 young men to daunt the orange and green. And uh, with that being said, let's go back to this quarterback that you guys had high on your board and were able to land. Give us a little background on this young man. Well, Cameron Sapp uh, is a quarterback out of Jacksonville, uh, Florida, uh, Lee High School. And um, if anyone's familiar with Jacksonville football, which obviously the state of Florida is, is um, very good in many areas, but Jacksonville is, is the most populated city in the state of Florida. A lot of people don't know that. They think it's maybe Miami or something like that, but it's actually Jacksonville. Um, but Jacksonville reigns uh, first coast. Um, you know, Ed White, some of those programs have, have been the perennial powers, obviously Bowles High School, Bowles School, private school there in Jacksonville. Um, but Cameron Sapp, uh, who we signed, beat all of those teams. You know, one of the biggest attributes that we look for in a quarterback is that he's a winner, you know, coming out of high school. And, um, you know, Cameron took Lee all the way to, I think, the state semifinals. And, um, you know, Lee has been a program that hadn't traditionally performed very well at the high school level. And, with them being there, they, they've been very good. So um, he's got great pedigree. You know, his uncle, Patrick Stapp, um, who went to Jacksonville Reigns, went to Clemson back in the mid-'90s as a quarterback and actually transitioned to linebacker and had a brief stint in the NFL. So, you know, Cameron has that same type size. You know, he's over 6'2". Um, right now he's probably 205 pounds, but when you look at his frame, he's going to be a big kid. And uh, he was a kid that committed to Alcorn State early in the process. Um, fortunate for us, we were able to kind of get in and, and flip him at the end, which was a huge get for us. But uh, we really feel like he has a chance to be a very, very dynamic player for us you know, in, in the near future. I was wondering if you were going to be able to come clean with me, and I appreciate you. You had to pull that Clemson card tie 
with the old man to kind of help flip them, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's what recruiting's all about. So you have to use all the avenues you can legally uh, to get the guys to, to you know to like you. So obviously, I put out a call to his uncle, and you know we talked about our Clemson days as quarterbacks, and you know, he knows me personally, and uh, he obviously knows out that we take a great, great uh, take great yeah. care of Cameron. And once they got here on the visit, I think they felt the warmth and, and felt that this was a place for them. Yes, sir. And while I got the chance, uh, congratulations on your Clemson Tigers taking care of me. That's the last time we actually really kind of talked with everything that came in. But congratulations on that, sir. I wish they'll be not just about it now. <laughs> well, now the only thing now is that they got to play again to break the tie, right? I think so. I think it's what two, two and two now. Yes, so, sir. Yeah. So it looks I, like they're on a collision. Looks like they're on a collision course to do it again. Well, uh, <laughs> it, 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 it'll be starting real soon. We're talking right now with Shotgun Willie Simmons. Uh, just talked about uh, some of the recruiting class of the 2019 um, with SAP. I know it's real early to say. You know, uh, there's a process. They signed and they got to make it through um, the actual uh, admission process, and then come back around and go through spring. Well, they won't be able to do spring, but when they get back on fall, go through your preparation for the regular season. But if you had your druthers right now, he would have to be pretty high on your depth chart, if not the man on the depth chart, correct? Uh, Sap, you mean? Yes. I said. I thought I said Sap. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, again, we, we do have all of our returners from last season uh, coming back. So Ryan Stanley um, you know, is going to be a fifth-year senior for us. Obviously, the incumbent starter you know, who started every game for us last year and started basically every game for the last two and a half years. He's returning for a senior year. Uh, and then other guys that we signed last year, and DJ Phillips, who was already on the on the roster, all returned. You know, so again, our typical practice is that when new guys come in, regardless of you know whether they're a four year transfer, high school guy, or two year transfer, you know they start at the back of the line and uh, they have to work their way to the top. So. You know, that first day he's here, I mean, he's going to look up and he's going to see four guys ahead of him because those were the four guys that were able to go through spring practice and go through some workouts. And, you know, once he gets here in the training camp, then he's going to find himself at the back. And uh, But, again, if he's the type of kid that I, that I saw on film, that I've spoken with over the last month and a half, um, I think he's going to be a kid that works extremely hard and does everything uh, in his power to, you know, move up that depth chart and, and really push all of those guys for playing time. Well, here's where the new uh, four-game uh, redshirt rule plays a huge role. You got four games you can mix and match and play with this guy with um, to get him some, some, I say, live game action. And then with the depth that you would have, you could actually save that year and start building that program on the backside. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, I think it's, it, it was a phenomenal rule that the NCAA implemented. And, uh, you know, with the nature of college football now, with how many games we play, the amount of snaps uh, that teams are playing now with all the up-tempo offenses, it's very difficult to go throughout an entire season and not get low on your, on numbers. Um, you know, you have injuries occur, um, you know, various things throughout the season. And so in the past, you know, it forced teams that, to have to make really, really tough decisions um, you know, is when it comes to the freshmen that they've signed. You know, I, I remember even myself personally, you know, my freshman year uh, being at Clemson, I was basically the backup quarterback to Woodrow Dantzler as a true freshman. But I was also being slated the red shirt. <laughs> then we played at Florida State, the eighth game of the year. 
Woody went down with the uh, ankle sprain, and they had a decision to make. Do they put me in for one or two plays until Woody gets healthy and put him back in, or do they burn a timeout to, to let Woody come back? And, you know, obviously they burnt the timeout and they saved my year. But had I gone in for those one, two plays, I would have lost my redshirt year. You know, and again, so I think it was it was an outdated rule. And so I do, I do commend the NCAA. Um, you know, not many times we say they got it right when it comes to the rules, but we, we definitely think they got it right with this one. Because, one, it gives those guys a chance to kind of play a little bit without the risk of losing their year. But it also gives us a chance as a coaching staff later in the season to maybe play one of those guys if, if – you know, one of our starters gets hurt or, or backup, key backup gets hurt, and your next best guy is your true freshman as opposed to maybe a walk-on um, who may not be as good. So I think it's a great rule, and um, it allows us to play basically all but one of our freshmen last year at some point. The quarterback was the only one who never got into a game, but I think every other freshman that we signed was able to at least play one, one game, some meaningful snaps, um, you know, to get some college snaps under the belt. Talking again with Shotgun Willie Simmons of Fam You Rattlers, getting ready for this 2019 campaign. Uh, a lot of people might not be aware this is the year of 12, as far as FCS are concerned. Uh, you guys get to play 12 games on the schedule, and Coach, uh, we're going to break through your schedule right quick, and a couple of games in particular. So I'm pretty sure you're excited, and you can give us a rundown of who you got and when. Well, uh, we'll do an official uh, schedule release on Friday um, to, to talk about it. I know we're still trying to finalize some some times and in, in, uh, for a couple of the games, but a couple of the highlights for the season, uh, just you know, for the fans, obviously opening up the season against Central Florida uh, down in Orlando. Um, obviously, it will be a huge game for us. Um, Central Florida, obviously, you know, coming off two of the best seasons in their history, um, undefeated season two years ago. Uh, and I think the only loss they had last year was the final game of the season in the bowl and the LSU, which I think they only lost that one by eight points. And so, obviously, a very good football team. Um, unfortunately, you know, most people know what happened with the quarterback situation there with the quarterback having to devastate knee injury. Um, so I doubt he'll be ready to play uh, by the first game. But, you know, obviously their backup came in and did a phenomenal job for them, and, and he's returning. So, you know, we, we know we have our hands full, but we do feel like it's a great game to start our season in a you know, FBS venue uh, with the you know with basically 18 returning starters for us on both sides of the ball, um, you know then the the, the biggest uh, probably next biggest game is obviously the game that you mentioned earlier and that's the the renewed uh, rivalry with Southern. Uh, Southern comes to our place this fall and then we'll return the favor and go to Baton Rouge in 2020. But excited to have Southern come to town. Obviously, um, by rankings, they just had, they signed a number one recruiting class in HBCU, and you know we're a game away from um, winning the SWAC last year and representing the league in the Celebration Bowl. So, you know, I'm very familiar with that team. You know, the job that, that Dawson Odoms has done down there is phenomenal, and uh, we're looking forward to a great rivalry renewing uh, with the Southern Jaguars. And then, obviously, you know, with MEAC play, um, we're going to go to a nine-game schedule where every team is going to play within the league. And uh, so the home games for us will be at North Carolina A&T, uh, North Carolina Central, uh, Howard, and um, uh, who's the last one? I think what well, yeah, I think that's the, the, the four, the, the three or four. Two North Carolina schools and Howard. I can't remember the last one. Uh, but obviously, you know, we're, we're very excited about our MEAC schedule as we begin our quest for MEAC championship. But, again, the highlights of the schedule outside of our conference are the UCF game that we open up the season with, and then 
obviously Southern Baton Rouge coming here, um, you know, for home and home rivalry. Well, with that UCF game, not only is it bragging rights, but it, it's going to be a, a handsome salary to follow that. And, um, of course, you go in wanting to win all games, but make sure you guys come out healthy for the remaining of the season. Do you have a different approach when you play a game like that as far as uh, a game approach? Or are you really still trying to fill out to see what you got and just how tough you guys are mentally and physically? Well, you know, again, I think every coach um, approaches those type of games differently. You know, for me personally, um, like you said, we go into every game, um, you know, with the goal to win. And so we'll work extremely hard to put a game plan together that gives us the best chance to be successful. Um, but also in the back of our minds, we do understand that this is a game that gives us a chance to get a lot of guys some quality minutes. You know, again, some of those freshmen that we sign um, that, you know, we need to determine early if they're going to be players for us this, you know, this coming fall. And so with the four-game rule, just so people understand, it's not the first four games. It's any four games throughout the season. And so uh, you typically want to try to do a lot of those in the non-conference games that don't have as much of a bearing on your success during the season. You know, so I anticipate playing a lot of those freshmen. Um, you know, hopefully not at the expense of us, you know, losing the game. You know, but as long as it's a football game, we'll play to win it. You know, for whatever reason, one way or another, if it gets lopsided, uh, then you make those decisions to get those younger guys in to get them some quality reps. So. You know, that's always the mindset that we take going into it. We're going to play it to win it. You know, we obviously understand that we're going to get the team that's lost one game in two years at the FBS level. You know, so, you know, we, we know that we're going to have to play extremely well and they're probably going to have to make some mistakes, you know, for us to even have a chance to be in the game. But as long as we're in it, we're going to play to win it. And, um, but I also want to get these young guys an opportunity to play on a, on a huge stage, um, you know, in Orlando on the road, you know, in front of 45,000 people. Absolutely. And once again, that just expounds on the power of that four game redshirt rule, because as you explained, it's not the first four games. It's a mix and match throughout the entire season. And I think if done right, it could really create uh, and close some gaps. I should have said between the haves and the have nots if done properly. So we're talking again with shotgun Willie Simmons. And you know we got to talk about this Southern Renewal rival game. Um, two historic programs that draw well, they travel well. And it's a two, from my understanding, a two-year agreement, the home and home, and the rest can kind of take on from there. So explain how you guys got a chance to come back to the table and get this thing rekindled. Well, you know, obviously, um, once I took the job here, um, I sat down with my athletic director, Dr. John Eason, who's a former football coach, and we talked about how we want to schedule moving forward, our, our vision for this program. You know, So obviously, you know, we want to do you know, guarantee games because you know, it helps us fund our uh, programs, You know, being able to get the big paydays from the FBS schools, um, but we don't want to play a lot of those You know, in, in one given year. You know, the, the days of playing two, three you know, FBS teams uh, to start the season, I, I think that really just sets your team up for, you know, for failure. You know, one of my coaches on the staff, James Spady, obviously was the head coach of Alabama A&M. His last season, he played two SEC teams in the Conference USA team to start the season. You know, so obviously you know, when you come out of that, you may have a million-dollar payday, but you're 0-3, your team's beat up. Obviously, this was before the four-game rule, so 
you, you can't play those freshmen that you want to redshirt, so you're playing your starters and your backups, key backups in those games just to try to make it through the game, and, and you're beat up by the time you start conference play. So we said we, we didn't want to do that. you know. So we'll play one a year, and then with the other two games out of conference, um, three this year because of the 12-game schedule, you know, we'd like to look and play comparable FCS games, you know, attractive games that, one, our fans want to see. You know, one of the things that, that uh, we kept hearing when I took the job was that they wanted to play Southern. You know, they want to play Tennessee State. They want to play Jackson State. They want to play Gramlin. You know, because they, they remember those rivalries from back in the 80s when, when, you know, 80s and 90s when there was sellout crowds. You know, a lot of them were classic games, at, you know, obviously neutral sites, but the history that was built in those games, you know, we want to relive that. You know, so now with everyone upgrading their facilities and getting better stadiums and, you know, and all those things, I think it's only right that we do those home and homes and you give each school a chance to, you know, play a game against a team that's a rival for them that you know is going to draw a great crowd. We anticipate a huge crowd this year when we play Southern. We know they travel well. They'll anticipate a huge crowd the following year because we travel well. And I think it's, it's really good for HBCU football so where those crossover games happen. It's not just the, the Swag Meat Challenge or the Celebration Bowl when you see the best teams out of the you know those respective conferences play each other. You know, because what's happening, I think, in the Swag probably suffers from it the most, a lot of those SWAT MEAC challenges have been some of the top MEAC teams against some of the lower-tier SWAT teams. And those games have gotten out of hand, and, and, uh, and it doesn't look as well for the SWAT when, you know, Bethune-Cookman played uh, Pine Bluff one year, you know, or, or South Carolina State played Mississippi Valley, you know, and then those teams weren't on the same level as far as, you know, their their ability at the time, and those games were out of hand. So I think it's really good, you know, and I, I hope to see more of that, you know, Grambling and A&T can schedule a home-at-home. If Alcorn and Bethune-Cookman, you know, those type of games where, again, great crowds, great fan bases. We play them on our, on our campuses where we bring the revenue in and you give each, t- each team a chance to do that. Um, I think that's a great formula uh, for black college football. Well, for the record, my beloved Panthers took care of business against the North Carolina Central Eagles, so we did that. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot um, you've had the luxuries now of being in both conferences. What university from the MEAC do you think would be a good uh, matchup for Prairie View to try to get a home-and-home non-conference game from your perspective? Well, um, you know, again, the tough part about that one is that just the distance. Logistically, um, it makes it tough because you're talking about the furthest teams west, which are Prairie View and Texas Southern, obviously, uh, playing against teams uh, on the eastern seaboard. So, um, you know, that would be the tough part. You're probably looking at flights for, for both schools. But, you know, again, I love to play um, Prairie View, you know, in a home-and-home. Home. I'm sure Bethune-Cookman would love to play Prairie View and maybe a home-and-home. Home. Um, uh, A&T, I, again, I just think the teams that have, you know, really kind of gotten themselves to a place where they're performing consistently at a high level, um, I think it's good for, again, our fan base. I think it's good for our respective conferences. And I think the more we do that, I think the more we maybe open some eyes uh, to the level of play that we have in these conferences. You know, because I still think that we don't get the respect that we deserve in our respective conferences. And so if you have the, the top teams playing against each other, and it's the same formula that the Power Five schools are using. You know, that's why if you look up and Alabama opens the season against Virginia Tech, you know, or, or Florida State opens the season against, 
you know, Oklahoma or whatever, because, again, you're getting the top teams out of their conferences playing games, a lot of times in neutral sites. But, again, getting all the eyes of college football on those programs, and it allows them to recruit better. It just gives them more exposure. And so I think the same will be true for us, that if the top teams in our conferences are playing on a yearly basis, uh, doing those home-and-homes, that it just, you know, again, it, it puts us in a situation where we have some leverage now to where maybe, you know, the, the Celebration Bowl will realize that they may have to come to the table with a little bit more money. Because when FAMU and Southern played, look at the numbers that they drew. You know, they had 30-plus thousand people when <laughs> when FAMU played Southern this year. Then the next year we turned around with Baton Rouge, there was 30-plus thousand people in Baton Rouge. Whereas the Celebration Bowl and Swap Me at Challenge, they only be drawing, you know, 18 to 20. You know what I mean? And so when you have those type of games and they see the, the power that our brands carry, um, I definitely think it'll, um, it'll upgrade the, the perception of the SWAC and the MEAC. Well, in reference to your FAMU versus Prairie View, have your people call my people and begin <laughs> to get that in, in motion, man. And I'm pretty sure we can make that happen. You know, open that thing up right now. You start planting the seeds now. One plant, the other water. God gives the increase, and we can go that. Referring quickly back to the Southern matchup, are you guys working on a potential, at least regional, uh, television deal for that particular game or uh, an in-house streaming package to help even broaden that uh, reach for your potential fan base? Well, you know, for us, we, we, we live stream all of our games, uh, and that's something that the MEAC went to this season where each school puts on their own um, live broadcasting. And uh, I do tip my hat and commend our, our communications department here. I mean, it, it's unbelievable. So if you go to ESPN 360, um, you know, you can basically see replays of all of our games. And, it, I mean, it's color commentary. I mean, it's live the whole nine, multiple camera angles. And so it was really good for us to be able to put all of our games on, on online. And so I do think that, um, you know, we'll continue to do that. Obviously, uh, the more we upgrade our, our cameras and uh, communications, that the quality will get better throughout the league. And, and I think it's something that the, the SWAC, you know, should maybe look into is being able to stream um, all of the games through ESPN 360. And so, we all have ESPN deals. Both conferences are still locked in the ESPN deals. So I do think that's something that can be accomplished, you know, with just a little bit of communication on the front end. But we will televise our game this year versus Southern. I'm not sure if, if they'll be able to do the same when we return there in 2020. Um, but it will be a national televised game because everyone can, can view it um, through our uh, ESPN 360 app. Well, I'm going to agree to disagree with you on that particular deal, but uh, we might have to say that for as far as uh, the ESPN uh, streaming deal, uh, the way mm-hmm. my understanding of that works, uh, the MEAC um, sold the rights, I guess, or allowed ESPN Plus to stream the football games of all the MEAC conference schools. Okay, and they give a little change for that, but I think you're throwing the water out with the baby, the bathwater out with the baby. And I say that to the fact is that now what you could have done in-house, because from my understanding, you're still doing it in-house as a university, 
Okay, the only thing is you've attached ESPN to it. So now they're charging our fan base to look at something that you could have put together and made that money yourselves. But that's just, you know, my way of looking. I'm an entrepreneur, so I look at it totally different. Yes, it's an ESPN brand. Yes, it's on their platform. But in the bottom line, we're doing all the work. <laughs> we're doing no, all the work. You're, no, you're right. You're right. right. We are putting on the it's yeah. our production. It's, it's our production. Yeah, so so right. therefore, um, you could do the same thing from a conference level with a YouTube channel. You can do the same thing with the recommendations. They have packages, uh, graphic packages you can buy, so they have the consistent look from A to Z. And you buy the program and you disperse it amongst your membership schools and let it be done that way. And you could delay the games or you could do it live. They can pay for it. And that's money that you make directly in-house because where the money is being made is through the ad sales that ESPN gets. So they lump all you up, all our stuff up for the content and they go sell the ads because as a broadcaster, as a radio station owner, I don't look at a football game the way you look at a football game. I look at a football game as 32 minutes of ad sales when you get done breaking it right. down. So how much money can I make within those 32 minutes of breaks? And that's what ESPN has done, and it looks good on the surface. Now, you opened up this can, so I'm just going to keep talking about it. But it still shows up. You look good on surface. But back from where I come from, they call that pimping. No, well, trust me, I'm with you. I mean, like, but again, you talk to an old football coach. I'm not putting my business cap on right now. I'm putting my football cap on. Mm-hmm. That you know, it, it is a good thing that we do get to stream our game. So I'm sure there are different avenues where we can, um, you know, maybe generate a little bit more revenue or put the production on ourselves, which we're already doing, like you said. Um, but again, like you said, that's a, I think that's another show for. Another conversation, probably with the commissioners, respect the league, <laughs> and not the head football coach at FAMU. <laughs> was that that run option? That run option, you just passed the ball over. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Shotgun Willie Simmons, man. I love the the fact that um, you're candid with me, as I am candid with you, and it is what it is. It's what makes our uh, chemistry flow with one accord. And I truly, truly appreciate that. Um, when does your spring ball start? And um, then I guess give us the when you're going to start with your, is it the green and orange game? Orange and green. Orange and green. Orange. Yes, sir. So we'll, we'll uh, do our annual orange and green game on March 3rd. We moved it up uh, this year. Typically it's, you know, the second or third week of April. Um, but, you know, we're going to tie it into, um, a lot of events going on that day on campus. We have what we call our spring preview, uh, where there are a lot of high school athletes, I'm not athletes, high school uh, prospective students that will be on campus for different seminars and, and, and workshops and things of that nature. Um, I think we have a baseball game that day, uh, a couple other sporting events uh, going on that day as well. So we're just going to tie it all in. We're going to do our uh, coaches, women's coaching clinic that morning. Uh, from 9 to 12, and then at halftime, we're going to let the women go out and, and play them some flag football and have a good time. So, you know, again, this is going to be a great day for us uh, here on campus, and um, and we'll start our spring practice earlier in March. I haven't set the exact date yet, 
uh, have to meet with compliance to kind of solidify all of those things. But uh, we'll be early in March for our, for our start date and uh, with the spring game culminating on March 30th. Okay, so March 30th is the target date. And, of course, we're going to get a chance to uh, chop things up with you again. Before I let you go, man, uh, the new football league that has opened up, you got a team based not far from you in Orlando. Is there a lot of buzz going on amongst the football fraternity about this new conference? Well, you know, the interesting thing was uh, all of those teams were in San Antonio practicing during the AFCA uh, National Convention this year. And so uh, most of the coaches at the convention, and there are thousands of coaches from all over the country at all levels that attend the AFCA every year, uh, were able to go and watch those guys practice. And so there is a, a, a good level of buzz about the league. Um, you know, there's another, another league starting, I think, pretty soon as well. And, and again, it just gives guys an opportunity to, uh, again, kind of be like a farm system, a minor league to the NFL. You know, mo- most of these guys still have dreams and aspirations of playing at the highest level, and, and it continues to keep those doors open for those guys. So, again, I, I think it's a good thing. Uh, my only fear is that with so many of them maybe starting up uh, that, you know, it doesn't get watered down to where maybe, you know, again, they can kind of combine them into one league, um, you know, may make it a little bit more, I guess, easy for the fans to follow. <laughs> I'm not watching the AAF or the XFL or this or that, you know, it might be confusing for a normal fan. But, but no, I do think that, uh, you know, football is such a huge deal in this country that, you know, when the Super Bowl ends at the uh, 1st of February, we're all <laughs> kind of going through withdrawal, uh, waiting on spring games to come around in April until the season rolls back around in, in, in August. So, no, I do think it's a good deal that they've got those leagues running in the spring, and I look forward to following, you know, some of our former players who, who play on some of those teams. Absolutely. It is a window of opportunity from my uh, research. Uh, there are three-year deals worth $250,000. So on the term of professional football uh, level, it's not that expensive to maintain players. So with that being said, I think it's a 40-man roster, and they got some unique rules involved that I could foresee the NFL adopted in the very near future, but that yet remains to be seen. Willis Simmons, I want to thank you, brother, and I'm going to give you some closing thoughts and comments at this time. Well, you know, again, I, I just always just so honored to be, you know, with you, brother. And then again, you know, obviously you and I talk a lot more in depth when we have our normal conversations, you know, without the mic being on and, and you know, talk about some personal things. So, you know, again, I'm always praying with you, as I know you are for me. And, uh, but again, it's always great to get on and just talk about, uh, you know, our respective brands, universities. Obviously, I know the love you have for Prairie View. Um, I have that same love for them for giving me my first opportunity to be a head football coach. Um, the love and admiration I have for Florida A&M, you know, growing up here and now being the leader of this great program, you know, it, it, we're just extremely blessed. You know, and even amidst all the things that go on in our lives outside of football and broadcasting, um, you know, we, we're extremely blessed individuals. And so I, I, I value your friendship. Um, you know, again, I value your support. And, um, you know, I know that you're always keeping me in thoughts as I am to you. So, um, again, we've got to get you out here at some point. You can't wait till family plays preview to get you out here to a game. So <laughs> we're going to work on that moving forward. But in the meantime, man, keep doing what you're doing. And, uh, you know, it's always a phone call away. All right, brother. And you set the date, man, and we'll work it out. And I'll get down there. Now, I might not have on the orange and green. So you have to figure, I might wear a neutral <laughs> color like black. 
or something like that. But I, I'll come in there because, you know, I'm not going to do that. I can't promise. I love you, hey, but but hey, not that hey, much. It's Samuel and PB. I'm not at Texas Southern. I'm not asking you to wear maroon and silver. I'm asking you to wear orange and ring. We're not rivals yet. We haven't finished the game yet, so... You know, hey, you can come out here and wear some more on the ground, but you look good at it. I will, I will say this. I won't fill it out. I'll let you use your imagination. It say, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, chew tobacco, spit. If you're not from PV, you ain't, and you'll fill it out. <laughs> <laughs> man, I appreciate you very much, man. Love you. Say hello to your beautiful family for me. He is Shotgun Willie Simmons, fam use leader of the pack for the football program Rattler Nation. I am the radio guy Dr. Mike Prince. Of course the media social handles are for Instagram, Facebook and Twitter at the Mike Prince Show. The YouTube channel is Open Mic Broadcast Network. The website obnradio.com and don't forget the 24 hour dial in message line 713-570-6736 and until the next time you guys be blessed. We'll see you on the other side. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.